Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode, Pastor Andrew shows us how to unlock life's endless possibilities with just a tiny grain of faith. When we're in Sydney and just reflecting with God, he said, you've lost the sense of possibility. Now that's important for us because as a church for the last decade, possibility has been almost everything we've breathed. And we've watched God bring miracles out of miracles in the building of this place and the equipping and the ongoing. And God has just been in the midst of us as a church as we put this place together. But we need to get the sense of possibility back. And possibility comes through faith. I just want to read from Hebrews 11 verse 1. And it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's in the New Revised Standard Version. The New King James Version says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then another version in, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Now the word that's been translated substance, assurance, and being sure in the Greek is hypostasis. And hypostasis is one of the Greek words used to define the Trinity, that God is of one hypostasis, that God is of one substance. And so when we look at the issue of faith, as the writer wants us to understand it, faith is the substance of our hope. And without faith, that hope is just not going to happen. Now when you think about it, hope is a funny critter. Because we live in a world where hopes come into being all the time. I don't know if you've noticed the technology we live in. I don't know if you've noticed that human beings have had the ability to create and build. And a lot of that's come out of a vision and achieved. Not all of it coming via faith because a lot of it has been built by people who do not believe. So we have this incredible ability as human beings to make things happen. So if we've got this ability to make things happen, where does faith come into it? It's actually the substance that makes those things happen. It is the powerhouse of what enables us to go beyond what is normal, what is every day, 
and build something that is incredible. It then says, faith is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. It means it is the proof. Faith provides the proof for things you and I cannot see. It is the ability to see something that's not there and believe and act in such a way that it comes into being. And that's why all things are possible with God. And as you look at the word faith in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in the Old Testament the word faith is not used very often. Faithfulness is prolific. But when you hit the New Testament, all of a sudden Jesus is talking about having faith. And he would criticize the disciples for having little faith. He would compliment people who've been healed or done extraordinary things to get him to heal, that their faith has saved them, that their faith has healed them. Now, in the Old Testament, if you took the word believed, that is much more prolific and, in a sense, probably brings an understanding of what the New Testament is using by the word faith. But there is, as we move into the teaching of Jesus, a sense of grabbing hold of an entity that cannot be seen. You might see faith in action, but you can't see faith itself. You can be sure when faith's not there, You can be sure when doubt and unbelief are rampant because we verbalise that very well. We verbalise unbelief. We verbalise disbelief, which is more than unbelief. It's, I'm not going to believe. It's not just, I can't believe or I don't believe it. It's, I am not going to believe it. And you know, people do that all the time. I will not believe. Why? Because believing actually costs us something. Faith actually costs us something. In Luke 17, verse 5 onwards, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, as I said, he had many times said, O men of little faith. You know when Peter got out of the boat and walked across the storm waters and he's walking towards Jesus on the water and then he realises there's a storm around him and he begins to fall into the water and then Jesus takes him by the hand and lifts him up out of the water and says, O man of little faith. Now, I would have thought he had a lot of faith. What about the guy still in the boat? Where was their faith? But Jesus is Peter, a man of little faith. At that point, he didn't have the faith to sustain the incredible thing he was doing. And so they asked Jesus, increase our faith. 
And so Jesus says this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds that exists. It actually grows incredible shrubs and trees from this tiny little seed. And Jesus was saying, if you take this mustard seed, that's all the faith you need. And you're thinking, hold on. It can't be that simple. The smallest amount of real faith can do the impossible. But what is this faith that Jesus is talking about? And then he tells one of the strangest parables that he's ever told. And which of you, having a servant plowing, or tending sheep, will say to him when he is coming from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But he will not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourselves and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. Then afterwards you can eat and drink. So at this point, the servants have been out working hard all day. They come in from the fields. And then the master says, look, no, don't go for rest. Get my dinner. And then when you finish that, then you can eat yourself. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise, you... When you've done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now, at this point in their relationship, Jesus' disciples were his servants. That's how they saw the relationship. Sometime later, as John notes, he says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. So something in that point changed in their relationship. And that change was that Jesus was now going to reveal to them the things that Father God was saying to him. And to reveal to them the things that were to come. It certainly overwhelmed them. But something deep in the relationship had changed. Now we all love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. But it strikes me that we sometimes take that friendship for granted. As if it's not earned. And it wasn't not earned by the disciples. They earned the right of friendship with Jesus. And I believe Jesus is our friend. But here, Jesus is wanting us to get a hold of something 
about our relationship with God. And that was that when we've done everything he's asked, don't expect a pat on the back. Don't expect that he's going to say, I really appreciate what you've done for me. Now, having said that, I know there have been times in the past when we've gone through a pretty tough situation and come to the end of it and sometimes not actually winning the situation. God turns around and says, thank you for what you've done. So there's no sense that God is not appreciative of us, is not rewarding us, is not thankful for us. What Jesus is wanting to get to here is our heart focus, our heart picture, how we see it. Someone asked me once, should I expect appreciation from my boss? You know, that's a two-edged sword, the answer to that. Their answer is no. And we're talking about Christian bosses, right? We're talking about the church. Is it wrong to expect some sort of appreciation? I says, yes, it is. But it is wrong for the church not to give it. As a church, as bosses, as leaders, we need to make sure we show deep appreciation for the efforts of those around us, for the efforts of our team members. Really important. But when it comes to how we see it, what we expect, Jesus is saying, no, you don't come with an expectation to be thanked. God is never in debt to us. He will always outgive us. Every time we give to him, he will return it multiplied. He has a deep appreciation of who we are and what we do. But to get to the depth of this minuscule amount of faith, this little parable digs deep into our psyche. We actually have this sense that we should be appreciated, especially if we've gone the extra mile, done the extra put in some extra hard work, put in the overtime. The bosses should show some appreciation, and I agree. But you know, when you sit in that place, you have no faith. That's what Jesus is getting at. When you sit in a place where you think that you're owed, you have no faith. You don't even have faith the size of a mustard seed. So one of the issues we have to deal with when it comes to faith is our heart attitude. How we see God in us. How often we say, God, why are you letting this happen to me? As if he was doing it. How often have people blamed God 
for the horrific events around them and the troubles. And while you have that blaming heart attitude, you can't have faith. You can't believe him for who he is and what he said and what he promised. So we have to come to a place where these servants have said, we are unprofitable servants, which I don't think they actually were, were they? Looked like they worked hard and did a good job. But we are unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. And I know people think of the church as, well, they owe me something. I put all this time in. I put all this effort in. I put all this money in. And you know when we sit in that place, we don't have faith. This is quite a radical parable because we actually don't like what it says. It irks us somewhere deep inside. Well, what's in it for me? Isn't that what you would think? What's in it for me? Faith. And when I have faith, something else begins to happen. Transcends anything that I've given or aim to give. Transcends all the hard work, all the difficulties, all the lack of appreciation all the troubles, all the effort. Because faith digs into something incredible in God. It digs into the depths of God. Now, Jesus tackles this particular issue of how we see it. In Matthew 17, in the story of the deliverance of the demon-possessed boy that the disciples had tried to set free and cause more trouble than they'd actually helped. And the father's just so distraught and comes and begs Jesus to help. And Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, they were just trying to help. They had watched Jesus do this time and time again. They used his words. They used his expressions. They may have even laid hands on the boy. And they had tried to do everything they could to actually heal this young kid. And then Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How would you feel if I said that to you this morning and I got up and said, you perverse lot. Who's going to do the cleaning next? Who's going to run the sound? Who's going to run the computer? Who's going to get up here and sing? So what was Jesus doing? When you read the Greek, you begin to understand a little bit clearer what he was trying to do to the disciples. It was 
being part of an unbelieving and perverse generation. They had grown up in a religious environment that did not believe, that did not honour God, that did not worship God properly. A generation after generation after generation that had replaced God with his law, that took the incredible God described in the scriptures, who created this planet, this universe, and us, and they replaced him with his word, with the Torah, the law given to and through Moses. And they worshipped it in a sense. If you breached it, you were a bad person. If you kept it, you're a good person. Whether you worship God or not. You see, we can get into a framework where we worship the shadow of God, I call it. The liturgy, the, the, the actual tradition which our church has. The liturgy and the tradition aren't God. They lead us into a place of giving worship to God. But we need to lift out of the pages of the book, out of the words themselves, lift our heart to God himself. To give him true worship. As Jesus said, to worship in spirit and truth. To bring our hearts before him. In humility and honour giving him glory, praising and worshipping his name. They had not grown up with a religious environment that taught them to do that. And so if they were going to have faith, they had to deal with their hearts. They had to deal with their culture. They had to deal with the ingrained nature of that culture's teaching, its methods, its ways, its beliefs. If they're ever going to be effective in releasing others from demonic power and bringing the healing of God, they had to do something about their hearts. They had to do it that would release them from that cultural understanding and its unbelief. Jesus finishes this in discussion with the disciples after he's healed the boy and everybody's gone away. And the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. So here it is. 
this little inkling of faith. Tiny as could be. Now we've moved from moving mulberry trees to moving mountains. I think that's a bigger effort, don't you think? You have a mountain in your heart, in your life, a trouble, a difficulty, or a series of troubles and difficulties. They are mountains. And if you take that small element of faith and in the name of Jesus command that mountain to go, it will go. Just the inkling of faith that comes from a heart that has got a right focus on God, that is not owed, is not walking around looking for appreciation, is not wanting some sort of support, but is confident that the God whom we serve is so faithful and so gracious and so powerful that he will move the mountains that we've commanded to go in his name. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Now, one of the things about faith is that when we come with that inkling of faith to God, he actually shows us the answer that will break through the problem that we have. Whether it's just a miracle of healing or a change of perception or a change of heart. And as we see that problem, as he gives us a glimpse of it, and then we do what he says, we act on what he asks. You know, I've had people who have known God has asked something from for years and not done it. When they did it, everything changed. Close your eyes for a moment. What is the most pressing difficulty you have? Just take one. I want you quietly where you sit to say thank you, God, for this trouble. Thank you, God, that you are more than powerful to remove it, to change it, or to transform it. I'm going to ask Jesus now to give you an insight into the obedience or the action the answer that he has for that problem. Father, you said that all things are possible for those who believe. Jesus, you've told your disciples that have had the faith of a mustard seed. They can move mountains. I pray for each one of us now that whatever that problem is, whatever that trouble is, whatever that difficulty is, you will give new insight to the answer, the resolution, the healing, the restoration, or the release, or the way through that problem and difficulty. And we ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.